Welcome to Ad Exchanger Talks, the podcast devoted to examining the issues and trends in advertising and marketing technology that matter most to you. This episode is sponsored by IOTA. IOTA provides marketers, data owners, and research companies with privacy-compliant ways to activate their data. IOTA's solutions are ID and platform agnostic, built to be extensible and interoperable with all emerging data restrictions and regulations. To learn more, visit IOTA, that's E-Y-E-O-T-A dot com. I'm Allison Schiff, Senior Editor at AdExchanger, and welcome to this episode of AdExchanger Talks, where we'll be talking product with Gianda Sachdeva, VP of Product Management at LinkedIn and Head of LinkedIn's Marketing Solutions Products. So what I'm about to say is going to make me feel a little bit old, but when I got my first job out of college, I actually didn't use LinkedIn to find it, and I think the only reason that's the case is because LinkedIn launched only two months before I got my first job. I think if I had been on the job hunt a little bit later, I would have used LinkedIn because it has become ubiquitous. I actually found my first job by uploading my resume to Craigslist, if you can believe it. Um, but, But since 2003, when LinkedIn launched, it's become synonymous with business networking and job hunting. And LinkedIn first started to monetize in 2005. The first ads ran on LinkedIn that year, but a lot has happened since then on the monetization front, from sponsored in-mail and matched audiences to LinkedIn's own campaign manager and just like tons of things in between and also new products coming out all the time. Gianda has been with LinkedIn for more than 11 years. Before taking on the VP of product management role for LinkedIn Marketing Solutions, she was the director of product management and head of LinkedIn's premium subscription products. Gianda, welcome. Hi, Alison. Thank you for having me. So to to start off, let's talk a little bit about your career. Uh, um, I mean, this is LinkedIn, so it seems appropriate. What's been your professional journey from studying, um, and I I learned this from looking at your LinkedIn profile, from studying electrical and computer engineering at Cornell to uh, where you sit now? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's... uh... It takes me back um, to a really good time in my life as well. I, st- I started my career in engineering, um, studying electrical and computer science. And and then I shifted gears into management science when I did grad school. But throughout, I um, I thought I would you know end up very much in the technical space. And I was very much looking forward to building products. Uh, so that was a theme that existed even back then. But when I graduated, it was in the middle of the housing crisis and I recall finding a job as being one of the hardest things I did. And I think now looking back, having LinkedIn was enormously helpful. And now that I work on the product, of course, I have more insight into into how it works. But even back then, I was so grateful that it existed. But I found my job um, through you know reaching out to people on LinkedIn, my first job. And it was in financial services. I did investment banking um, at a time when you can imagine in, you know, it, when the economy is going through so much mm-hmm. um, at the same time, there was not much happening. There were there were not many companies going public, not much in terms of M&A. And so being a, an investment banking analyst at the time felt uh, kind of exhausting because you make all these pitch books, but but really no deals get done. Having said that, I, I had, you know, just built some very wonderful relationships with the with the people I worked with. They've gone on to do great things 
in their careers. And I look back at that time in my life very, very fondly. Um, and I stumbled into LinkedIn through actually a LinkedIn email um, that someone sent me. And um, I, it was late in the evening and I responded and I said, yeah, you know, this sounds interesting. And uh, the hiring manager had said, why don't we meet? And it was seven o'clock in the evening. And I said, you know, right now that's that's late for an interview. And he's like, no, it's okay. I'm available. And and we met. And, you know, it's funny. I It was a, it was a short coffee catch up, but in that moment, I knew that this this is very exciting, and uh, I went through the rest of the, you know the process, and I knew I think from the very first thirty minute session that I wanted to be at LinkedIn, and I've now been at LinkedIn for eleven years. So I feel like I made the right call back then. But I've I've worked at LinkedIn on uh, multiple products. I am very fortunate to work in an organization that has so many different things going on that I almost never have any uh, dearth of a learning opportunity. So right now I'm running ads, but I've done a number of different things before that uh, at LinkedIn as well. It's amazing how a single message and um, a single coffee can actually change the trajectory of, of your entire life. Absolutely. And, and I think in this case, um, the story for some other day gets uh, very interesting because I, I think I met people along that interview process, people who were um, athletes, people who uh, later went on to you know, take world tours, took some time off of like just very fascinating people very early on. And this is pre-IPO. So this is also a very small, a small company. And and meeting all these people, just you, know, you share a different type of energy with them. And you realize that this could be a much bigger part of your life than just work. And, and it, it worked out beautifully for me. I do feel like there is a lesson though, right? I mean, just, just answer that call, right? Like go for the coffee at seven o'clock. You never, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I know. I, although I have to say my then boyfriend, now husband uh, was, was very skeptical. He's like, are, I can you imagine. <laughs> are you sure about this? And it was funny. I was, I was meeting um, this person at the Caltrain station and we, I, I don't know if you know listeners uh, are, are familiar with this, but in San Francisco, right across from the Caltrain station is, uh, is a small uh, Panera bread. Uh, and I, that's kind of where we met. But I remember like that entire exchange in the evening uh, and my boyfriend just circling around that whole neighborhood <laughs> to see if I'm, I'm OK. But it was funny because I was I was so comfortable having that conversation and looking back like I'm, I'm so glad that I did it, even though uh, I can imagine some anxiety uh, as, you, as you think about it now. I'm actually familiar with that Panera bread. I've hung out there uh, killing some time before a meeting. <laughs> Um, so, so LinkedIn marketing solutions has evolved a lot over the years. I mean, like I said at the top, the first, um, I think it was the first targeted display ad ran in 2005 and now, you know, just about 15 years later, uh, Microsoft said on their most uh, recent earnings call that your division has brought in more than $3 billion in revenue over roughly the past year, which is a lot of growth. And so, um, I'd love to get a sense of what advertisers are looking for from LinkedIn. And, you know, I know, you know, 2005 is is before your time at LinkedIn, but still like how you go from some display ads to more than $3 billion in revenue. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, it's, I've been fortunate enough to be part of um, some of that journey. I actually started my product career in LinkedIn uh, in LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. So my first product stint was very much on the ads product. And back in the day, uh, as you said it, like we were all in on display advertising. And it took a, a pretty big shift internally to start thinking about 
um, you know, how we use auctions to to serve ads and also how we build mobile advertising products because that was not a thing that existed back then. And seeing all these shifts or being part of them and building these products uh, has, you know, both given me um, a, just a lot of perspective on how difficult these things can be, both for our customers and how they use the product, how they learn, uh, but also for our own employees, because, you know, our own salespeople, they have to sell a different product than they were, than they're used to. So going through these shifts and making sure that everyone has what they need uh, is necessary. But I think the bigger um the bigger change to me is LinkedIn itself. Back in the day, you used to think about LinkedIn as a set of people, like a set of professionals who have joined LinkedIn and they sometimes connect with each other. So it's a resume database that's very actively used by recruiters. But that has changed. It's not just a network of profiles and connections. It's It's gone on to become a professional community with more than 750 million people. And I think that is the real reason why this this business has done so well, because we have um, these professionals coming to LinkedIn, engaging in conversations uh, about you know hiring, about learning, about selling, about marketing, about building, and and that's what's uh, actually really been the fundamental shift for for the business, and it's created an opportunity for brands to reach and engage with their customers on a on a what's a safe and trusted platform. And that shift has has been slow and steady. And I think over the last few years, far more pronounced. But um, that's the real reason why we see success and momentum in the business today. And and what, what are some of the particular needs that, um, you know, you're meeting that advertisers have? Because you're, you're describing, um, you know, LinkedIn as um, really like a community building platform, which is what it's evolved into. And, um, you know, that that as the foundation as you were saying, it's a it's a good place for for advertisers to to find people and to talk to people. But um, yeah, like what what are some of the things that they might be coming to you with feedback? Some of their particular needs to reach you know the people that are you know naturally just conversing with each other on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it, you know it depends on both the size of the organization and the industry. But some of the common themes we see are that you think about these brands, each brand carries a lot of weight on on its shoulders. It's the embodiment of what it stands for to its customers, to its employees, to its potential buyers, to its um, you know the industry, and even sometimes to the society. And fostering communities with each of these stakeholders is a key area of focus for brands. It means something to them. And and giving them a platform to do that in a safe way on LinkedIn has been a big priority for us and actually very consistent with the feedback we hear from them. So, for example, in um, I think a couple of quarters ago, we saw almost a 48 percent or, or higher year over year increase in the number of conversations that were happening in the feed with brands, especially engaging in new ways with them and, and having an opportunity to engage directly with a potential buyer or a user of the product is phenomenal. And there are you know several examples that are now easy to find, but but you know, back in the day brands were not sure how to use LinkedIn. But right now, if you if you look around, there's examples of companies that are just starting out and brands that are very well established. And and on both ends of that spectrum, um, being able to engage your audience effectively and, and authentically has been something that has been very, very clear. Uh, for our customers. So one example is uh, there is a small London-based nonprofit um, called The Female Lead. I believe it has like two, two and a half million or more than two and a half million followers on LinkedIn. And they shared this very powerful image about women helping each other. 
I think that single post um, had you know some something like six thousand eight hundred reactions and um, hundreds of comments flowing in from all over the world in in just an image of solidarity. And this is of course happening also at a time during the pandemic when. Um, everyone is looking for a community and a sense of belonging. And these kinds of things matter. NASA, for example, live streamed their recent launch, 7,000 comments on just that post. And then Adidas relaunched their Stan Smith uh, franchise, their sustainable franchise. And and that was um, received with such uh, just cheer and joy from, from their community. Just these moments when brands are able to connect with their communities, these moments are very special. So this is one of the big areas of focus for us and an area that we've seen a lot of growth in. And then the second big one I will say is that, you know, advertisers, when they're spending anywhere, and especially in B2B where the sales cycles are so long, generating ROI is, is not enough if they can't measure it. And B2B, B2B in especially, um, the marketers that are working there in these organizations don't just have to demonstrate the value they're getting from LinkedIn to their CMOs, but increasingly to their entire sales organization. So helping them um, become more aware of their ROI and how to measure it, both for brand marketing and performance marketing, is something that that we are intently focused on. And, and that's actually been a big priority for us for the last couple of years. And now we're entering a phase where, um, given all the changes that are happening on identity and privacy, this is taking a new form almost within, within the organization, but always been a priority, still is. Uh, and that's also consistent with what we hear from our customers in terms of feedback. So those are the two, I'd say, um, the two things that we are intently uh, focused on at the moment. So before we head into a break, um, I, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, the pandemic, because um, it's been, I mean, it's been a hell of a year. And, you know, I I say it's been a hell of a year, but it's been a hell of a well over a year now since the pandemic started. And um, there has been an uptick in LinkedIn usage over that time. I mean, more people are moving around and they're looking for work amid the pandemic. Um, and in particular, I think a lot about people, um, like young people that graduated high school and college last year or who are graduating this year in this like just tough, weird road they have ahead and and putting aside marketing solutions like just just for a second, like how um, I don't know if you can speak to how LinkedIn or even just, you know, you personally, how you think about creating products and an experience that, you know, like appeals and will be helpful to, you know, young people, particularly those entering or trying to enter the workforce now or helping advertisers reach, you know, those um, or prospective employers reach, you know, those like just new, like the, the, young, the young blood. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the pandemic has been... Um such an interesting and uncertain time. It's very unusual, right? Like I, I think being in the middle of a pandemic, uh, dealing with so much uncertainty, and I feel for um, you know students who were in either in high school or college and graduating in, in the middle of a pandemic, or even spending a year of their high school or college in the pandemic. Like that's that's got to be a pretty big uh, impact to their lives overall, not just their professional lives. So I feel like that's a a really important cohort to to look out for. And I think in terms of how LinkedIn and how we build products, our vision is to create economic opportunity. And I think that is sort of the the groundings or principle for all of us when we do anything, even in even in marketing solutions, when we think about how uh, the work we do helps organizations grow and grow their revenue and grow their customers. And when they grow, they hire 
And when they hire, they're creating economic opportunity. And that's what's most important to us. Uh, and I, in, you know, specifically to your question about this new generation of people, and, and there are, I think, two trends worth maybe pointing out. One is um, skills, like skills-based hiring and, and just skills in general is something that is a transformative part of maybe this generation where uh, people will be less, it seems like the, the trends are pointing in the direction where people will be less tied to where they got their degrees and more tied to the skills that someone has because of the ways the pandemic has changed uh, affiliations and in which you know it almost doesn't matter um, what college you were going to as long as you were learning something new and applying it. And with all the tools that are available, and this is, I think, the second trend where with all the tools that are available for creation, and, and I don't mean just creation, like, you know, creating uh, videos on, you know, TikTok or Instagram, which, by the way, I I, I think is like a, a phenomenal thing that's happening. Mm. Um, but creation tools are all, all available to so many people. So any type of expertise, any type of advice, any type of learning uh, can happen in ways that was not possible before. And so between these two trends with skills and then these creative creator tools, um, I think the, the, the next generation of jobs is going to look different and uh, employers will have to figure out how to embrace that. Uh, and that's something that, you know, LinkedIn, um, of course, be, being in the center of hiring, uh, gets involved in those conversations with organizations who are trying to hire differently, who are trying to figure out what they stand for, what their what their talent strategy is. This applies even to the diversity initiatives a lot of these organizations have, and they look to LinkedIn to see how they can have a more diverse workforce going forward, which also changes the game for, for this generation. So I think that on, on many fronts, LinkedIn ends up being important and critical um, to to different decision makers in this marketplace. And, and last year, I think we announced the Skills Initiative along with Microsoft, and 30 million people have taken those learning courses. And that's incredible. Like, I, I think just having um, made that access, especially in a time where going into a classroom uh, was very, very difficult is, is a big deal. And I hope that we continue to do that. And and hopefully that that also means that in some ways we are shaping the future where where people feel like they can uh, learn online and they can uh, apply those skills online. They have the tools to do that, and not just on LinkedIn, but on any platform that they choose to do so. So there are there are several trends and several ways we are participating in those trends, but but lots to uh, lots changing and lots to do here. I also hope that this focus on skills and um, and really the things that matter maybe lead to the death of the cover letter. When I was <laughs> applying for jobs, um, I was always tortured by the cover letter because it's such a repository of BS and it's um, it's also like um, it's like asking for you to make mistakes, right? Because you kind of feel compelled to copy and paste a lot of the stuff because it's like you know the same. Um, and then you always end up forgetting to change one really important thing, like the name of the hiring manager or the name <laughs> of the company. I've done that before. And um, just you, you send the email and then you slap your forehead and you're like, OK, I'm not getting that job. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, for so LinkedIn launched uh, a cover story recently where, you know, on your profile, you can um, record just I think it's like. 30, 20 seconds, I forget what the time limit was, but you can record um, yourself just to say like who you are and what you do. And and to be honest, like that's the real uh, way to interact these days, right? Video is an audio. There's such powerful mediums that these uh, artifacts around, you know, your point about 
cover letters where you write text that someone has to sit and read. And even back in the day, I don't think many people were reading those. So I, I do nah, think yeah. <laughs> towards a more efficient way of connecting people. Okay, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor now, but stay with us because when we're back, we're going to get into the LinkedIn product roadmap, also some new products that are just coming out. And we'll also talk about the, the ever blurring line between B2B and B2C marketing. And I'm speaking again with Christina Prokop, CEO of IOTA. Christina, for those who don't know, what is IOTA? IOTA is a global data company and audience technology provider offering products and services that enable privacy compliant data activation, data onboarding and enrichment uh, for our customers across the globe. And we really focus on ensuring that our solutions are, are globally deployable, uh, that they can be used consistently across all markets we operate and not just uh, not just in the U.S. Okay, now there's a lot of discussion about cohort-based methods, largely in terms of what they can't do. But what are some of the benefits and advantages? It's an interesting topic. Now it's become very prominent now with uh, with the use of cohorts in in Google's environment. But when we look at the international landscape and a lot of the markets where we operate in the data space. Using something like cohorts has been has been prominent for for many many years, and it actually it's a way that we've been providing data solutions in markets that have been limited because of the lack of access to first party data that can be onboarded against a piece of PII, whether that's because of privacy regulation or whether that's because of the lack of scale of of matching uh, that can be done. It is if if you look at multi-pronged strategies, it is a very, it is a very relevant product for using first party at first party data at scale in environments where where privacy and consumer protection uh, are, are challenges. Great. Now there's this assumption that all on onboarding is offline data matched with PII. You advocate for a broader definition. Could you talk about that? Yeah, and I think it's it's important to highlight there's there's no question that PII onboarding is is extremely extremely relevant and and useful. However, if you look at the challenges that a lot of global brands have, it's about how do you, how do they find ways to activate and use our first party data uh, intelligently when linking to, linking against a piece of PII isn't possible. Um, so what we really see, and you know, it's becoming more interesting now that the U.S. is cracking down on privacy as well, because those pools of PII data to be able to drive matching are not going to grow exponentially. So the future is really looking at multi-pronged strategies to use and to to act onboard and activate first-party data, and in you know in, in a future-proof strategy. That means looking at both methodologies that include PII-based onboarding as well as as cohort-based. All right, Christina Prokop, CEO of IOTA, thank you so much. Thank you.
Okay, and we're back. And and let's get back to, to marketing solutions. So LinkedIn has a bunch of new products and features that are coming out this week, actually. Uh, there's the ability for marketers to boost organic content. So like automatically turning organic content into paid posts that then appear on the LinkedIn feed, um, event ads to amplify attendance, and um, I believe several new analytics and audience measurement tools. So I'd love to get a, a quick rundown on on what's new right now. Yeah, I'm very excited about the launches today. As a, as a product person at heart, I always feel like product launch day is, is one of those days where you get to celebrate a lot of the hard work, but also anticipate and, and kind of wait and watch and what uh, customers do with it. So I'm looking forward to some engagement. But I think, yeah, so I the announcement that you will see today is effectively um, trying to acknowledge the fact that LinkedIn is now a place where we have both the novice, you know, marketer, but also the sophisticated marketer. And and by the way, sometimes the the gap between the two is very little. But because these these can be very different experiences, what we recognize is that marketers wear just a lot of hats. Sometimes they are new to one thing, but they're very good at something else. And we have seen on our own platform several of our own products where we fall short, where we fall short for either the new customer who's never used uh, our campaign manager product, uh, which is where you advertise on LinkedIn, uh, or the more sophisticated customer who has used it a lot but has never used pages to to connect with their community. So we're trying to figure out how we bring these two worlds closer together. And um, broadly speaking, there are three themes to the announcement that you will see today. The first one is we want any type of marketer to be able to reach more of their target audience to, to get wider distribution. And, and given that we have 750 million professionals on LinkedIn, we believe there's a lot um, to, to be um, used there in terms of reaching the right audience. The second one is to help um, marketers grow their brand community. And this is, as I said in you know, before we broke for uh, the ad, but we, we talk about communities in in a real way where we're talking about communities of people who are either users of your product, makers of your product, um, or even potential prospects and, and buyers of your product. And that's uh, a very big area of focus for us. And finally, helping advertisers and marketers measure the impact every step of the way. So this goes back to the idea that you it's not enough to generate the ROI if you can't measure it. So it's very important for us to close the loop, especially for B2B, where these sales cycles are longer. So with that, like a quick rundown, one is uh, a feature called Boost, where we will let customers sponsor their content directly from the page. And the reason we are doing this is that many of our customers have likely experienced this. They post from the page, it gets good engagement with their followers, they see the potential for far more engagement, and now they have to go set up a whole other account to start advertising and promoting that content. So uh, what we've done is simplified that process so that you can sponsor directly from the page, you can start to see the engagement coming in. And this is tied back to be able to measure the impact both for your organic content as it is spreading across the the ecosystem, but also to the paid content, which is targeted to the audience you choose. The the second one um, is events. So events has been an area of focus for us over the last year and a half, and it kind of started when the pandemic started. And there was a massive shift to virtual events and a need um, for uh, organizers and event and attendees to connect digitally. Uh, and that's kind of when our events product came up. And now we are seeing a lot of demand for um, 
advertising and promoting uh, the events that are being organized on LinkedIn. So to that extent, we are working and have been on this unique um, native experience for an event ad where we don't want the ad to to look like it's it's different from the rest of the conversation because ultimately these events on LinkedIn are communities of attendees and organizers for us. And uh, the unique native ad format shows you all the salient information about the event right there. And our intent is to help organizers have visibility into how many members are clicking or or seeing their ads and registering for the event to be able to see the reach, the engagement, the the, the formographic makeup of some of these attendees so you can plan your future events appropriately. And all of that is packaged in, in our event ad launch that we've announced today. And in, and in the same uh, vein, we also want to extend uh, the ease of use when it comes to hosting your events on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn live streams, for example, is something that we've had for slightly over a year now. And the growth has been phenomenal. I think LinkedIn live streams are up 400% year over year. And today we're announcing um, the ability, I think we're calling it custom streaming, uh, the ability to broadcast via any tool that you uh, already use. So you don't have to... Uh, depend only on LinkedIn Live. So these are tools such as Zoom, WebEx, OBS, and in the future, Teams is also coming into the picture. So we're very excited about all these changes that are rolling out today and look forward to how our customers um, use them. So I want to go back in time for a second and um, refer to a specific product. So sponsor, which I think has been out for maybe like four years or more sponsored in mail. Um, So I know it's not a new product. It's been around for a few years already. Um, I'm sure listeners know what it is, but in case not, um, sponsored in-mail delivers messages to the LinkedIn inbox of a targeted audience. So you can send a message to someone through the native LinkedIn inbox, even if you're not connected to them. I think that's the case, right? Um, Correct. So I'm curious what the feedback has been um, on that product. Um, and and then um, a kind of a broader question, because personally, and I can only speak for myself, like sometimes I'll get a notification that I have a LinkedIn message and I get a little excited. And then when I check, I get a little disappointed because it's a sponsored message and not from a connection or like new outreach or, or something like that. So um, I guess my more overarching question is like, what how do you decide what to monetize and how do you strike the right balance so that you're monetizing the experience, but still keeping the, um, you know, like the user experience intact intact, and not over monetizing? Yeah, it's a great question. And maybe I'll go back to the thesis behind, uh, you know, sponsored in-mail and, and why we, we've invested in it. So as I was saying earlier, like, Investing in building communities and active communities of members and organizations is an area of of focus for us. And we've seen a ton of success across the board. And the way these communities develop is usually on two fronts. It's either a public community, so you can see the conversation in the feed. You can connect with a group uh, which is public and and even attend an event. Um, And sometimes it's private communities. Some of these events and groups are private, um, but also uh, your inbox. It's a private community where you have one-on-one conversations with sometimes with people you know, sometimes with people you don't know, or or small groups um, of people that that you are familiar with. And the intent with this ad format sponsored in mail is very similar, where we want to be able to give brands and members a way to connect uh, in a private way, in in the inbox, um, and you know, oftentimes, 
this can this is initiated by the brand right because it's a it's a message that they want you to read but we're also very uh, interested in figuring out the po- possibilities where members want to reach out to a brand for something and how we create that uh, sort of product on linkedin using the same mechanism so that's that's our sort of longer term vision here but to your point about hey sometimes it can feel like it doesn't belong there like i i don't want brands to show up there or or advertising to be in my inbox and that's something that we are uh, also evaluating and looking at on how we we move in this direction and make sure that members and brands are getting the value that they were seeking uh, and one of the formats that we've um, invested in recently which I, I don't know if you've come across yet is called conversation ads and the idea there is that it's not a, a dead end of a message where you see something from a brand but you really don't know um, what you do from then on other than maybe download some white paper uh, but in fact uh, change that to start having a conversation so if if the brand um is interesting if what they're offering is of some relevance and you want to learn more right there in in that exchange itself we will show you uh, ways to learn more and the brand will have pre-organized some of the content that they want to share with people who have that intent and so our one of the ways that we are trying to figure out is is this uh, is this conversational format more effective, more useful, and if so, what does that mean as we evolve um, this experience going forward? But overall, the intent is to give uh, these these two parts of these two entities in our ecosystem a way to connect that goes beyond the feed because the the messages can get lost, and it's important that we provide um, a more permanent perhaps way for these conversations to live both when brands initiate it, but in the future also when members initiate it. Well, spe- speaking of the future, what's on the product roadmap for LinkedIn marketing solutions? Is there anything that you can share? And um, and maybe you can also talk a little bit more about the the overall marketing you know product vision that's you know been unfurling, I think at like a more and more rapid pace over the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was I was touching a little bit on this earlier where, you know, LinkedIn's vision is to create economic opportunity for every professional. Uh, and as we think about LinkedIn marketing solutions role in that, we try to create um, growth opportunity for every organization. And every organization is a very big charter for us. We want to make sure that we can be helpful to, to small, large, uh, mid-sized organizations as they launch themselves, as they find their first customer, as they scale and grow, uh, and for the bigger organizations to be able to uh, establish their brands and connect with these communities in a deep way. And sometimes it's through uh, you know things that we already have, like events where organizations organize events and they invite people who might be atten- interested in attending those events. And that starts to form a really deep connection, but also um, through product communities, which is something that we are working towards in our future, where you imagine like a product that exists today that you use, someone made it, you use it, someone else may be interested in it, but all these stakeholders don't know each other. They're all on LinkedIn, but they don't know of each other. And I think just bringing that community together where you, you use a product and you have a question about it, and you ask in the product community and someone who made it can help and say, that, oh, you know, that's a great point. That's good feedback for us to change it in the future. But this is how you can you can use it today. And, and a you know, potential future customer sees this conversation and is either encouraged to buy that product or, or a competitor product. And I think the intention is to bring these product communities 
together in a world where there's a lot of digital exchange happening already. It's just not um, at a point where it's it's organized and structured. And in, in the real world, this happens through word of mouth, but you know how we digitize that word of mouth and, and do uh, justice to, to the depth of the conversation is something that we're very, very excited about. There's also, as I said earlier, like continuous investment in measurement and analytics. Um, and and it, we believe that in B2B especially, it's important for us to hone in on this idea that a single decision could take months to make. So a conversion, you know, you see the ad today, but the conversion happens months later. And it doesn't happen because of the one person who saw the ad. It happens because a buying a committee um, was interested in the product. And knowing when to connect those dots and how to do it in a privacy safe way is, is an area of investment for us. And finally, we're at the point, I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier, like, you know, a $3 billion revenue run rate growing at 60% year over year. We have customers that range in sizes and industries, and they have different needs. And so us showing up um, in the right way at the right time is extremely important. So it could be, you know, the, the first time marketer should know how to sponsor their content, and that's the Boost product that we launched today. Or a marketer who works with an agency should be able to sponsor their content. And that's a whole different experience that we we need to invest in and are working on. Or a developer who uses our APIs and how, how they um, interface with us. So all these channels where, where marketers come to us, reducing the friction for them and making sure they um, define what they were looking for is an important uh, area of priority for us as well. So lots of, uh, I suppose, lots of things on the roadmap and lots of exciting things that, that are coming down the pipe in the next couple of months. But ultimately, with the, uh, the vision of creating uh, opportunity for these uh, growth opportunity for these organizations and tying back to LinkedIn's vision that when these organizations grow, they hire and then they create economic opportunity. And that's a very powerful virtuous cycle that we like to be a part of. Well, and adjacent to what you were just describing, one thing I think is interesting, which I alluded to before and has been happening for a while, is the the blurring of the lines between B2B and B2C and this growing awareness that you know business professionals are also human beings. They're not just hiring managers and decision makers and, and job hunters. And so how, how has that blurring informed you know, your work? Yeah, exactly. I think exa- just exactly what you said, which is that these decisions, uh, while they may feel like they're happening in some cost center in some organization, these decisions are being made by people. And these are the people who talk to their colleagues and their friends and they learn about you know brands and products and services that they want to bring to their own organization. So it's really not... Um, you know, B2B is not purely B2B. It's it's not straightforward in how this, you know, product gets marketed to a very specific decision maker at the organization. And that's the end of the story. It takes a much bigger dialogue and it takes investment across, um, you know, organic and paid efforts. So so we are seeing those lines blur and have been for, for a really long time. And which is why this community piece is important for us, where communities of um, users could be very powerful for uh, helping organizations grow the next set of customers and how we help them invest in that for free on LinkedIn uh, is is equally as important as giving them the tools to um, distribute their content more widely and to their, the right audience through our, our paid media uh, products. So those are those are all going towards the same in the same direction but with this with the this underlying understanding that B two B is not straightforward. 
each of these people is individually a consumer and they are um, looking for ways to engage with broader communities. And last question, um, you know, speaking of, um, you know, just humanity and regular people just trying to do things. I mean, do you have any tips for brands or, you know, just people who want to make their LinkedIn profiles or their pages snazzier or, you know, just to succeed on the platform? You know, it's great. I um, I love Reid Hoffman's advice on, you know, networking, which I always found like a very interesting word, but ultimately it's about relationship building, be it a brand or, or, a, or a person. And I think you can build a network. I think he says it this way too, like you can build a network and a strong relationship by doing one of two things. The first one is you help someone. And then the second one is you ask for help from that someone. And in both cases, you build a strong relationship. And I think that's kind of what LinkedIn's uh, community effort or, or the product comes down to, where you come to LinkedIn um, to give and get help. Um, and sometimes you you have more to give and sometimes uh, someone else has the opportunity to help you. And this applies to, to both brands and to people. And off lead, I'd say like in the last two or three years, if, you, if you've been active on LinkedIn, you will see that a lot of the the content has shifted from, um, you know, connections only or, you know, X connected to Y. It has, it has shifted away from that to more of a celebration of the people who you value in your professional lives. And you'll see people talking about um, just challenges they've overcome and, and how they did it and inspiring millions of other people to do the same. And I think that uh, actually in doing that at, at, a lot, at a scale like this is, is really commendable. And I, I really hope more and more people who use LinkedIn start using it that way, because as, as you spend some time, even like a minute sharing your story about, hey, I just overcame a small challenge today, that could mean a lot to someone just graduating and 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 seeing that they're not alone. And that is the, is the power of the community. And, and that's been um, what has driven a lot of the success lately as well. So be generous with your time. And it uh, doesn't actually take a lot to do that. And it seems like the golden rule applies on LinkedIn. Just do, do unto others as uh, as you would want done to you, and and all all could be well. There could be some interesting <laughs> opportunities. And go for a cup of coffee if somebody asks you. Um, you know, make sure it's safe, but it could Agreed. change your life. <laughs> Agreed. Operating in 132 markets across 35 countries, IOTA provides marketers, data owners, and research companies with privacy-compliant ways to activate their data. IOTA's solutions are ID and platform agnostic, built to be extensible and interoperable with all emerging data restrictions and regulations. To learn more, visit IOTA. That's E-Y-E-O-T-A dot com.